You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, what's up everyone and welcome back for another episode of the Kiwi Factory Reboot brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. We are recording on Tuesday, May 3rd and we have something to celebrate. The 2022 NFL Draft is finally over! Woo! Let's talk about Carson, not Carson Stroud, forget that, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. Oh my gosh, yes, on to the next. Have you been seeing, have you been seeing already like writing articles? Yeah. I mean, not only do we get like the way too early mock drafts, which, you know, everybody does them. I I, I actually looked back at mine, um, the one I wrote last May about this draft. Okay. And I got two players right. What? I got Sam Howell. Okay. To Washington, although I had him at eight overall, not in the fifth round. Okay. Okay. But I got George Karloftis to this Kansas City Chiefs at the end Ooh. of the first round. See, that is so crazy. But at the same time, I also had like a bunch of guys that didn't even get drafted. So, I mean, but but this is what we do, right? We're going to start, like, I've seen like charted data. I've seen people already say like, you know, CJ Stroud is going to clear QB1. It's like, it's May. Like, this is your time to to catch up on your sleep. Seriously. Why, why? You and I were just talking about like how May is great. Yesterday, here in the D.C., here in the DMV, it was a beautiful sunny day, not a cloud in the sky. I just sat on the porch and read. Like, I was just outside touching some grass. It was lovely. Yeah. Like, we don't need to be yelling about next year's draft. Can we all just relax? At least give it till September or something. Yeah. No, 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 no. We, we, we got to start climbing on those hills now. I can't. I can't. I need a breather. I need a breather. But, you know, we're here to, before we even get to our breather, we have to at least recap what the Eagles did in this draft. We also have to touch on, uh, I was surprised by Malik Willis, who fell. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to, of course, discuss the Eagles UDFA signings, quarterback signings. You know, we're the quarterback factory. And um, yeah, you guys know the drill. I'm your host, Rachel Pavette. Of course, of course, joined by my amazing co-host, the one and only QB expert, Mark Schofield. And yeah, before we get started, don't forget to rate, don't forget to leave a review, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, all that good stuff. But Mark, I know you have a movie quote or song lyric, something for me. So what you got? I actually do. And it's from the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, (laughs) which I know is perhaps the most random reference we've made on this show yet. But It's a rather generic sort of quote, but when I was trying to pick out, you know, the right one, this is the one that I I went with. And it's from Jim Carrey, who played Dr. Robotnik. The time for talking is over. It's time to push buttons. And and that's what happened, right? Because we had months and months and months of talking about where guys were going to end up, who was going to get drafted, all the mock drafts, my predictive mock draft. I got like two players, three players, right? Like it was just a disaster, just an absolute abject failure i said we were gonna get four quarterbacks in the first round we got one like the time for talking was over 
general managers push some buttons. Some push the right ones. Some might have pushed the wrong ones, but, you know, time will tell. Um, but, yeah, that's what I'm going with. What about you? Nice, nice. I was up all night trying to like come up with a song. I wanted like this heavy hitting song, but I ended up just going with a movie quote from a Disney classic. I went with movie quote from Mulan, which is a really, really nice movie. But the quote that I chose says, a single grain of rice can tip the scale. One One man may be the difference between victory and defeat. And I think this applies to, you can either apply it with the AJ Brown trade or even Jordan Davis, you know, landing in Philly. Two difference maker players definitely going to have an immediate positive impact on the Eagles roster. And so, yeah. That's just a fantastic quote. Crushed it right there. Thanks. Out of the gate. Boom. Yeah. yeah. And now we get into it. We got to yep. get right into it. Of course, we got to go through the Eagles draft picks. Um, They went into this draft with 10 draft picks, but they only ended up getting five new rookies. So we're going to run through those really, 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 really quick. At round one, uh, Jordan Davis, we got him with the number 13th pick. They traded up from number 15, two spots to get him a defensive tackle from Georgia. Definitely probably one of the biggest selections that we got for sure outside of the trade uh, around two. Number 51, Cam Jurgens, center from Nebraska. A lot of people were a little bit skeptical about this one a lot of people weren't so excited because of course the position you know it's kind of like what's the point but whatever and then we also got Nicobe Dean a lot of people were excited about that we needed linebackers he's from Georgia so teammate uh, with Jordan Davis he fell to the third round which was sad for him but happy for the Eagles because it worked out in our favor round six number 188 Kyron Johnson linebacker another linebacker we needed from Kansas round six 198 Grant Calcaterra tight end from SMU so that's what we got but overall thoughts on the Eagles selections what how did you think that they did I thought they did fantastically well I mean in you can take the A.J. Brown trade and put it to the side even mm-hmm. and say that this is still a fantastic draft. Jordan Davis might have been the best overall football player in this entire draft class. He was yeah. one of my favorite players to study. And the knocks on him were, you know, he's big, didn't put all, up a lot of production, like, you know, he doesn't rush the passer. Right. We have to re- give it the context of that Georgia defensive front. So how many guys go in the first round? Like five from that defense alone? Yeah. Guys were asked to do small little roles and Davis's role was to be sort of a two gap plug player, right? He wasn't really freed up to rush the passer. He wasn't really turned loose to go after the quarterback. He was playing two gaps. He was letting guys come from off of the edges and he was supposed to basically contain the middle for the most part. And they were so deep that when they got into third and eight, third and nine, third and lawn situations, partly because of what he could do against the run, they took him off the field to bring athletes on to get after the passer. And so when you're saying, oh, they didn't trust him on third and long, it's partly because of what he did on first and second down against the run. And so, you know, to get him there, because, and look, why did they trade up? Baltimore is going to run to the podium to draft him 14. Like every single mock draft I saw in the final day said Baltimore 14, Jordan Davis, it's a lot. So they went and got their guy. So yeah. I, I absolutely love that pick. The Jurgens pick, centers a sneaky little need for this team because you know kelsey might retire at some point and i thought perhaps the most most powerful thing i saw this entire draft weekend aside from all the like 
hey, welcome to X team. We're going to draft you with this X pick coming up. All those videos, which mm -hmm. just yeah, goes into my vein. I love them. I mean, seeing kids, their dreams come true. It's just amazing. Yeah. Was when Kelsey was on with Bleacher Report when they drafted Jurgens, mm -hmm. And the host, Adam Letko, was like, oh, man, this is awkward. And Kelsey's like, no. The Eagles have been asking me for a couple of years now to watch centers. Yeah. And the guy that I've watched over the past couple of years that most reminds me of me that fits the Eagles best is this kid right here. And he basically picked his successor. And so I think that's a fantastic little bit of roster construction. I think it's a window into how this team does it. And I think it's a window into just Jason Kelsey as a person. Like a lot of NFL players are like, oh, you're going to draft my replacement. I'm not, I'm not going to help you. Kelsey's like, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll help you. I, I thought, I thought that was fantastic. The Kobe Dean got a chance to interview him for the blog of the boys podcast. Nice, one nice. People, one of the smartest people I talked to this entire draft cycle. Cause Rachel in the span of 10 minutes, he not only taught me a little bit about run fits and, and stop and zone run schemes, but then he taught me about NFTs and crypto, like just a really, really smart kid. Um, and he fell, I think, you know, it started to come out that maybe there's a pectoral issue yes. and injuries. And so he slides, but we've been talking for how long about how this team needed to get a linebacker. Yeah. And a lot of people looked at him like might be the best linebacker in the class or what are the best linebackers in the class. And so to get him at the third round, even with medical concerns, yeah. I think it's smart. Then you get, you know, the Kansas linebacker Johnson as a little hedge against Dean and you add another athletic linebacker, Calcaterra, the tight end. I didn't study him a ton, but there, there's something there to work with. But I, I think if you just look at these picks, it's a very good draft. It and is. This factor in the A.G. Brown trade, it's a home run. It's yeah. Home run, right? yeah. Yeah. The only thing I had looking at, like, the draft class was that, you know, dang, we didn't get – we didn't really address the secondary at all. We didn't yeah. get – we didn't get any safeties. And then on top of that, everybody was hoping and praying that, you know, the Honey Badger would fall and, and land in Philly. And uh, it came out that he signed with the Saints. So, um I don't know. I don't know what, what the Eagles are going to do about that outside of, you know, undrafted free agents. But I guess, you know, we have time up until the season starts and maybe they'll do something. And yeah. I, I mean, you know, you look at what's going to happen. Every every team right now building out their 90-man rosters. Guys are going to start to get cut uh, yeah. like over the next couple of months. And there will probably be some available guys that will become free agents, you know, July, August that, you know, they can take a look at Because like you, I was a little surprised. We don't – no corners here. Yeah. Like, I, like I thought at some point they were going to draft a corner. And, you know, there were options for them to draft corners at different positions in this draft. Like you could yeah. even look at, you know, when they drafted Jurgens at 51 – you know, Cam Taylor Britt from Nebraska, who I kind of liked. Um, and I thought he would have fit Philly's scheme because he was, you know, a versatile player, played some safety, played some corner, um, was very comfortable in off coverage and zone coverage. He might have been an option for them there. You know, you look at Cordell Flott, the LSU corner who went in the third round at 81. He might have been an option. Marcus Jones, extremely undersized corner. But the Patriots drafted him two spots, I think, after um, Nadine went off the board in the third round. And so, yeah, there were some corner options, but a lot of the corners went really early, you know. And when you give up the pick that you, you know, use to get AJ Brown, you know, you're not going to be able to get, say, a Trent McDuffie or a Kyer Elam. You know, those were guys that went off the board after the Titans made that pick that theoretically could have been there for the Eagles. But it's like, okay, you have an opportunity to get AJ Brown. Like, yeah, you'll figure out corner right. some other way, right? Yeah, of course, for sure, for sure. 
And so, was, was there anything else that they did that you were just kind of like, eh, I don't know about this? No, other than Cam Jurgens, like that was the only yeah. one that kind of had like a red flag. Calcaterra, um, I only I was like, of course, looking into him after they got they um selected him. And the biggest thing about him was like, uh, I know he took like time away. So some of the interview questions in his introductory presser, they were asking him, you know, you took time away because you had you concerns about concussions um, that he had faced earlier in his career. And then he took time a year out away because he wanted to pursue like his firefighter uh, career. But I mean, round six t- pick, you know, tight end. Uh, no, yeah. I think overall, they did a really, really good job addressing the major concerns and defense was definitely yeah. where I wanted them to focus. So, yeah. And I also think, again, to come back to Davis, because I, I could talk about this kid for hours. <laughs> I think he had what Swedish fish aficionado in his Twitter bio, which is just perfect. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, if you're going to play these two high structures of EC, right, with two deep safeties, cover two, cover four, quarters, whatever you want to call that stuff. Um, you need guys that can play two gaps up front. You need guys that can, because you don't have the bodies down in the box to get every gap covered in the run game. So if you could steal an extra gap because you have a defensive tackle like him that can play two gaps, that can do that two gap technique stuff, that can, you know, stack a blocker, peek inside. Oh, he's going to come this way, shed and get to the inside. You watch Davis on film and it's just two gap ability after two gap ability. And it fits with where this league is trending. And if Jonathan Gannon is going to continue to do stuff like that and you're going to live in this too high world, well, he's a big reason you can do that. And it's it just, I, I thought it was just a, a fantastic move. Yeah. And I think that there's two people, you know, in the organization who the pressure is on for right now based off of what the Eagles did. And that's definitely Jonathan Gannon because he doesn't have an excuse anymore. Like you guys are loaded right now. So that gives you no reason not to get creative with the defensive scheme because you have these heavy hitters and then also Jalen Hurts. And we're going to get, we're going to touch on the uh, AJ Brown trade. Let's transition into that now. But now he's loaded. When you look at your, your weapons, wide receivers and tight ends, you have the necessary tools in order to be, dominant you know to be a dog your best friend you're literally like you're one of your best friends is now with you so that's exciting for him and now we just have to be patient and see if he's going to be able to deliver yeah i mean they told us at the combine both nick shiriani and howie roseman that they're going to build around jalen hurts and put him in the best position possible to take that big step forward now there are also kicking tires on russell wilson and things like that at the combine but you know, their, their plan, I guess, 1B, if they couldn't get that elite-type quarterback via a trade, was we're going to help Jalen Hurts. We're going to get him to where he needs to be. Getting A.J. Brown is a massive step in that direction. I mean, because yeah. now you start thinking about, okay, if you've got a three-receiver package, Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown, and then a Quez, Quez. like whoever, you know, probably Quez right now, I, I think is the smart option there. That's a pretty good 11 personnel package. You're talking about, you know, two guys that went early in the draft, a guy in Quez that you found in the later rounds, but has taken a step forward and seems to have a connection with Jalen Hurts. That's a pretty good 11 personnel package to me, you know. And then you have Goddard at tight end, you've got Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, like you've got backs that can give you something out of the backfield. Yeah. That's a fantastic offense. I mean, yeah. I, I really do. Now, of course, it comes down to, does Jalen Hurts do the things that we've been talking about for about a year now 
to take that step forward. Hopefully he does. But like you said, like the pressure is going to be on him now to, to take that step, to be the quarterback you and I and others have said that he can be. Now he needs to do it. But in terms of helping Jalen Hurts, they did that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so looking at the A.J. Brown blockbuster trade that definitely made some noise like throughout the league. Everybody was talking about this, and rightfully so. The Eagles did have to trade away some picks because, you know, of the player that they're getting. They traded picks 18-101 to the Titans in, in exchange for this veteran star wide receiver. And he's only 24 years old, already got three years of experience under his belt, and um, he's definitely going to be able to contribute. We saw that in the three seasons when he was with Tennessee. He was targeted 295 times for 185 receptions. 2,995 yards and he had 24 touchdowns. We know like what he can do with yards after catch. That's definitely going to be like something to watch this upcoming season. season. And so I'm excited. Um, the Eagles signed him to a contract ex extension worth $100 million over four years. And he has $57 million guaranteed. So that's $25 million annually, making him the highest, the fourth highest uh, receiver in the NFL right now. So this was huge. I'm excited. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. We knew what we were going to have to do in order to get him. They had to give up some things and, and it was definitely worth it. I think so. Well, I mean, you know, it's that old family guy bit, right? The mystery box, right? You know, when, when Peter and Lois go in to see this guy who's trying to get them sold on, you know, from Chester kind of guy, you know, and Peter's offered a boat or a mystery box. And Peter's like, Lois is like, let's take the boat. Let's take the boat. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. A boat's a boat, but a box could be anything. It could be a boat. You know, that's what you're thinking about here with 18, right? Like if you're going to draft a receiver, maybe he's AJ Brown in a couple of years. Maybe he's AJ Brown in two years. Maybe he's AJ Brown out of the gate. So you could draft that or you could just get AJ Brown, you know, and, and to give up 18 and 101 to get AJ Brown makes a lot of sense to me. There's this weird sort of, tipping point discussion going on about receivers like is it becoming quarterback or running back even where yeah you might pay for elite guys but because of the depth of receiving classes maybe teams are going to be willing to draft receivers more rather than giving guys contract extensions well if that's what's going to happen teams that have the resources to acquire such talented players are going to do it Tyreek yeah. Hill Devontae yeah. Adams now AJ Brown yeah. um so so I think that part of it makes sense evenly if to give up 18 and 101 if you're hoping to draft a receiver at 18 that maybe becomes AJ Brown someday, why not just use 18 to get AJ Brown? Like that was makes sense, right? Well, at least right? he's himself. Like we've seen yeah. what he can do, which is a sure, sure enough pick, sure enough selection. But with some of these other wide receivers, you don't know how they're gonna pan out, you know. All you can do is wait and see how they're gonna perform in the league. And that's not an easy transition, right. I, you know. Right. And let's not forget, we just got done watching the Los Angeles Rams win a Super Bowl. And what was their sort of MO? Forget draft picks. Like, give us proven talent. Like, we're going to use draft capital to get proven talent. This is a copycat league. You know, everybody knows. So, Kair Elam, watch his video when he met with the Buffalo Bills, where he pulls out this notebook where he'd been taking notes and he's showing it to the Bills coaches. And you can literally see Sean McDermott's like, yeah, we're going to draft this kid in the first round. And he's like, this is a copycat league. So I wanted notes on everything because I know what worked against us in week one is going to work against us in week two unless we stop it. Like It's a copycat league. Everybody knows it. So the fact that the Rams gave up draft picks to get proven talent, you're going to see more teams do that. Howie Roseman just did it. Yeah. And then I think the fit makes a lot of sense because some of what Brown does, like you mentioned, after the catch, that's going to be where they, you know, 
Oh, yeah. Quick throws, get the ball out. RPO stuff where you're running those glances and those shallows and those quick throws that they did in Tennessee with him and Ryan Tannehill. You're going to see that. He's also a very good vertical receiver. And Jalen Hurts, one of his strengths is his downfield passing. Like just touch balls, not, you know, tight windows and digs and posts, but nine balls where you can put air under it on along the boundary. That's something that he's done fairly well at. That's something A.J. Brown can do. And, and so I think schematically it makes sense. I think from a roster construction point, it makes sense. From helping Jalen Hurts, it makes sense. It seems like a no-brainer to me. Yeah. I'm excited, like I said. And I also think that the fact that they are so close and they have this chemistry, they both talked about how, you know, during this offseason and before this season, like, they do this. They're already friends, so when they get together – they have these reps and they're, you know, they're getting those reps in when, you know, Jalen Hurts is throwing the ball to him. So they already have that connection, that chemistry. I mean, it's different, of course, when you're actually playing a game, you have people, you know, running after you. But I think that the fact that they've already kind of been working together, that means something. And A.J. Brown is confident in Jalen Hurts. That means something, too. You know, I mean, you know, the, the fact that they have that connection. I mean, copycat league. We just kept on talking about that. The Raiders just traded for Devontae Adams to reunite him with his colleagues. Yes, like, yes. Like, like having that built-in connection yeah. at some level, at some level, is massive between quarterback and receiver. And you know whether it's something that's forged on the field, forged in offseason, whatever. Having that is huge. Having a receiver, a veteran receiver that believes in Jalen Hurts is huge. You know, and now obviously Smith and Hurts have a year together in the NFL under their belt as well. Like. This, this was a very good weekend for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, other teams in the division had some good weekends, too. I mean, I, I think the Giants had a pretty good draft. But, you know, when you're picking a five and seven, like, it's kind of hard to screw that up. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, they, they, they did a good job with it. I mean, you know, Washington and Dallas, eh, I think some people are quibbling a little bit with some of the things that they did. But I think you look around the NFC East landscape right now, if you're an Eagles fan, you feel pretty good. They're at the top. Yeah, they're definitely yeah. at the top division right now, for sure. But we're going to take a really quick break. And when we get back, we're going to dive into the remainder of the QB class and the Eagles undrafted free agent quarterback signings. We are the quarterback factory, and so we have to touch on those. But don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we're back. So, like I mentioned, we are going to dive into the entire, well, not the entire, the main quarterbacks from this class that we've been previewing this upcoming season so far leading up to the draft. And we're also going to touch on the newest additions to the Eagles QB factory. I want to start with, of course, the first quarterback that came off the board. That was Kenny Pickett from Pitt. He went to Pittsburgh at number 20. Were you surprised when he landed in Pittsburgh over Malik Willis? A little bit, just because, you know, going into this draft and, you know, certainly you and I have talked about Willis and all these quarterbacks a lot. Like you and I both kind of in agreement that like Willis has the upside. He's the dynamic, talented, athletic, big arm, like the league is trended towards 
Um, and when he was there and he was sort of sliding and sliding and you're sitting there and it's like, oh, well, the Steelers are on the clock and a quarterback hasn't come off the board yet. A lot of people pointed to the fact that Tomlin was at almost every quarterback's pro day, but seemed really excited about Malik Willis. You thought that might be the spot. And for Malik Willis, I thought Pittsburgh would be an ideal situation because that's an organization. Look, three coaches, right? In the past, like 40 years, like same ownership. It's a very patient, stable organization, which I think would be the ideal situation for Malik Willis, an organization that has shown some patience across the board, top to bottom. But they also had the opportunity to see Kenny Pickett up close. Like they practice in the same facility. I mean, there was a great story out. I think it was Peter King. Um, talked about how like every day when Kenny Pickett would walk into that practice facility, you turn right to go to the Pittsburgh Panthers, you turn left to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like it's right there. They got to see him up close. And he'd always sort of thought in the back of his mind, man, it'd be cool to just stay here and play. Um, I, I know his private quarterback coach, Tony Rossopi, a lot. I was messaging with Tony like Thursday throughout the day. And, you know, everybody was like, eh, you know, we're a little nervous. We don't know what's going to happen here in the first round. Um, but he ended up going, Pickett ended up going at 20. Um, I'm surprised that he was the only quarterback taken in the first round, but in a way, I don't think we should be, you know, remember what we talked about after the combine, right. With the Wentz trade, the Mitchell Trubisky sign into Pittsburgh, Mariota to Atlanta, all these teams that were in the top, like 15, 20 of the draft that had a chance to draft any quarterback they wanted, potentially were signing veterans. Like the league told us we don't like this quarterback class. Like we're out. Like, yeah, we're Atlanta. We're sitting at eight. We could have anybody. We signed Marcus Mariota. Um, and we listened for a while, right? Like, we talked about it. I wrote about it. All the league with this one trade. They're telling us we don't like these quarterbacks. But in the end, we thought they won't be able to help themselves. Eventually, a general manager is going to get a little antsy on the first round. They're going to draft a quarterback early. They're going to sort of panic because you're it's such a position. They didn't do it. And then we thought, okay, so, all right, fine. We just get Kenny Pickett in the first round. I sit down you know, 1 a.m. Friday morning, I do my second round mock draft. And I'm like, all right, the QB run's coming, right? You've got the Giants at 36. You've got Tennessee. You've got Seattle at 40 and 41. Atlanta at 43. All the QBs are going to come off the board. No. The league basically said yet again, no. Hi. Are you paying attention now, Mark? We don't like these guys. Um, now, wild to see. So it was, it, it was, Rachel, it was so wild to see. Now, in a strange way, this may be, and, and certainly this is a silver line in view of it for these quarterbacks. This may be the best thing that ever happened to some of these kids. Because if you think about it this way, if you're now, say, Malik Willis, and Ryan Tannehill throws three picks week one, you won't have ownership on down, fan base on down, screaming for Malik Willis. Now, if they draft him in the first round, say at 18, there's going to be pressure to put him on the field. Same thing with Ritter. Same thing with Matt Corral in Carolina. Like, because they slid a little bit, the organizations, they won't feel that pressure. So that could work for them. The flip side to that is, as we've seen over the years, draft capital, where you get drafted, will obviously correlate with the more chances you get to play in the NFL. Like if you come off the board in the first round, teams are going to try to make it work because they don't want the sunk cost of missing on a first round pick. Thanks. You come off the board in the third round, the fourth round, the fifth round, like Matt, you know, Sam Howell. Oh, all right. So we missed on a fifth round pick. It didn't quite pan out. So, so there's going to be that sort of balancing act to this draft capital. I hope that it's the former and teams are a little bit more patient and these guys get a chance to prove what they can do. 
I fear it might be the latter. Um, but yeah, the, the whole, there are a lot of things that we sort of got wrong about this draft. And I, I put myself firmly at the top of this one. Like the league told us we didn't like these quarterbacks. We, I bought it for like a week and a half. And then I was like, no, 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 no. They're, they're, they're going to reach for these guys. We'll see four in the first round. They did it. And it really surprised me. Like you touched on, the third round was definitely the sweet spot for these quarterbacks, the ones that we talked about leading up to the draft. We saw Desmond Ritter, your guy, you talked about him so much. He went yeah. from Cincinnati. He went to the Falcons at number 74 overall. Malik Willis from Liberty went to the Titans at number 86 overall. Matt Corral from Ole Miss went to the Carolina Panthers at number 94 overall. And with Matt Corral going to the Panthers, like you mentioned, one, were you – expecting to see any movement with Baker Mayfield during the draft in the fact that you like, what were your thoughts when that did not play out? Yeah. I, I, I really thought that once Carolina went offensive line at six, which I think was the right move for them, you know, they had two glaring needs, offensive line and quarterback. And like we talked about, couldn't fix both with one pick. So they picked offensive line because there wasn't a quarterback. They felt comfortable at six. I assumed that meant, a trade was coming, you know, whether it's Garoppolo, whether it's Mayfield was, but they were probably looking at like we were, and they're like, all right, we're not on the clock until 137. These guys are now here in the third round. Yeah. Like, you know, we know what Baker and Garoppolo are. It's sort of the inverse of the mystery box thing. We know what they are. Maybe we have a little bit more hope that Matt Corral can be more than that. And so they felt comfortable using a future pick, you know, not a future first, but, uh, you know, a future third, I think it was to go get Matt Corral, who, interestingly enough, I think could fit in Ben McAdoo's offense. McAdoo certainly has his roots in sort of West Coast quick game. Matt Corral has his roots in Lane Kiffin's like RPO-heavy offense. You can sort of blend the two fairly well, I think. And so I think Corral is in, an in a space with an opportunity to perhaps, you know, play sooner rather than later. My, oh, yeah. my, my colleague Doug Ferraro over Touchdown Wire, he was out with a piece yesterday, like Sam Howe was going to be Carson Wentz out at some point for that job, yeah. which – it Maybe. could happen. Like, say what you want about Sam Howell, one of the better deep ball throwers in this draft class. And if we expect Washington to be a vertical based pass at offense, because that's kind of Wentz's strength. And if you're going to trade for him, that's kind of what you expect them to run. Howell could win that out. And so, and with Willis and Ritter, I thought they went to two perfect fits for them. You know, Ritter told us at the combine, I, I kind of modeled my game after Ryan Tannehill. You know, a lot of people said he kind of reminds us of Marcus Mariota. Well, yeah, we playing for the guy that turned Ryan Tannehill into a pretty good quarterback in Tennessee and Arthur Smith, and he's behind Marcus Mariota, you know? And, and then you look at Malik Willis, that's an offense in Tennessee that has done a lot of RPO stuff, that has done a lot of play action stuff, and I think will fit with him. And so it's fascinating to see where these guys ended up. They got to teams that I thought would be really good fits for them. I just anticipated it in the first round, not the third or the fifth. But And then there's my New England Patriots. You're a New England Patriots. we got to get to them. Yeah. Do we have to? Let's touch. We can touch on them. Let's touch on it. <laughs> Let's touch no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But we'll we'll, we'll end on it. No, no, no. Because we gotta go. We gotta talk Carson Strong too. You know. Okay, okay. We'll touch on. We'll touch on your Patriots real quick. So Bailey Zappi one, He okay. Fourth round, number one hundred thirty-seven overall. So last year they spent their. That was their number tenth pick overall on Mac Jones. And for the most part, you guys were cool with Mac Jones. So as a fan, let's get your perspective. Did this make sense to you? And did you? how did you like this selection? 
Yeah, I actually, once this happened and my phone blew up and people were yelling at me uh, <laughs> on Twitter and my mom was yelling at me and other people were yelling at me, I felt like I had to write about it. So I did. During the Brady-Belichick era, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they have Tom Brady, who eventually at some point becomes the greatest quarterback or one of the greatest quarterbacks to play the game. They would always draft quarterbacks. They would still, like, they won that first Super Bowl. Six months later, they drafted Rohan Davy in the fourth round. Like, I think they drafted, Brady was there like 20 years. They drafted 11 quarterbacks during that time. One of which, Julian Edelman, basically drafted as a receiver. And certainly near the end of it, you know, Garoppolo in the second, Ryan Mallett in the third, you know, Jared Stidham in the fourth. They started to draft him earlier. Like in the start, it was like six, seven, like taking developmental guys. But Belichick has always been of the mind that like, it's better to be a year early, year ahead of schedule. Now, I don't think this is a, we're worried about Mac Jones pick. Okay. I think it's a we're worried about Jared Stidham. Like we have an opportunity here with Bailey Zappi to improve at the backup quarterback position. And this is the QB factory. We we talk a lot about how you might need a good backup quarterback in today's NFL because you're one twisted ankle away from that backup being able to play. And if the backup is Mark Schofield, you're in trouble. But if the backup is Bailey Zappi or you know somebody that's better than Mark Schofield, which is every quarterback on the planet, you're gonna be okay. Um, so there's that. Then there was the question of Sam Howell's on the board. Why are you drafting Bailey Zappi? Well, the reason and the logic there is Zappi kind of fits their quarterback profile. He's accurate, very efficient in the short intermediate areas, had an adjusted completion percentage of, I think, 77.3, which was like, you know, I think it was like 10th best amongst the quarterback class. Howell's was like in the 50 range, like in terms of a ranking. Like if they were a downfield passing game, I'd say, yeah, draft Howell. He makes more sense. But Patriots are more of a horizontal, quick passing game, and that's Bailey Zappi. So that's my feeble attempt to try to defend Bill Belichick on this one. Bill Belichick has been kind of roasted over the past couple of days. You know, drafted Cole Strange at 29, Tyquan Thornton at 50. Like, Belichick always does his own thing. Um, a lot of Patriots fans absolutely think the world of Bill Belichick, the head coach but they do not like Bill Belichick, the general manager during draft season. You see more of the latter and the former. And that's why a lot of Patriots fans are frustrated today. Yeah. And that's going to be a situation where, I mean, you got to trust him that he knows yeah. and all you can do is wait and see if it pans out this season, but let's get into the reason that we are here. You know, yep. Eagles quarterback factory, the Eagles did not draft any quarterbacks. Not really surprising, but they did pick up two undrafted free agents and Carson Strong. One, were you surprised that he didn't go drafted? Very. And this is a window into the stuff that we don't know, you know, because for a lot of people, the concerns on Strong were, you know, the the lack of mobility, but more importantly, perhaps, is that knee injury. You know, and we don't have access to medicals and things like that. Teams clearly do. Teams must have thought, look, that there's not enough here to draft him. Now, the Eagles gave him a big contract for UDFA. Like, I I think, you know, 20,000 is a signing bonus. You know, 300,000 base guarantee, one of the biggest ever for an undrafted free agent. So that tells you that the talent is there. It's just the medicals. And the scheme fit, it's not quite one-to-one. Um, the other guy, EJ Perry, who, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday morning. I, I've seen some reports that he may up, end up in Jacksonville be, because of Carson Strong. So I think that's kind of up in the air. He's a very athletic quarterback. There were some people who thought he might transition to receiver 
because of his athleticism. But I think he's the better scheme fit for an offense that we still believe will be predicated on Hertz's athleticism and mobility. Carson Strong is Drew Bledsoe. I mean, he's a statue back there. He, I don't know. He, he's not a one-to-one fit. But if he's healthy, some people, my, my our buddy Matt Waldwin, who we're going to have on next week, thought the world of him as a prospect. And I, I liked him too. But it's a window into – we don't get a chance to, like, look at his MRIs. We don't get a chance to, like, have our doctors evaluate him, you know. Um, so we don't know. And clearly – the the league the teams thought that there was enough there now maybe it's more than the medicals there was also some reporting that like you know teams weren't happy with him from a you know an immaturity standpoint and things like that i never believe any of that i i I don't believe it just because you know people say anything during draft season and it could just be one bad interview one bad meeting or something like that and some scout gets mad and and says something to people and it becomes oh this guy's got personality problems and things like that you know it could be something. It could be nothing. Um, so I don't really take that into stock, but maybe there is something about that. And so again, it's sort of Rachel that idea that we don't know everything. You know, we have access to like film, and that's basically it. And interviews at the combine where I thought he was great, but the fact that they gave him this money though tells me that at least one organization, the Philadelphia Eagles, think there's a lot to work with. And when you look at his stats, he played 31 games in the last three years at Nevada. And he completed 68.1% of his attempts for 9,368 yards, 74 touchdowns, 19 interceptions. Of course, we know that he's not competing with Jalen Hurts. He's definitely more so competing with like the backup, the QB3 Reed Sinet, or maybe even Gardner Minshew. We don't know. And so um, that's also going to be something to see. That's four quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. Right now. So paying attention throughout spring training, throughout, you know, the summer training camp and just seeing, I guess, how he shows up because he is he does have a strong arm. But that injury concern is definitely something that you have to take note of in today's league. They they may be of the mind that they're going to medically redshirt him. Okay, this could be an approach where they just basically say, look, we're going to get you, you know, well, IR or something, a pup or something, give you a, like a medical redshirt year. And if Hertz doesn't do what we hope he does, Carson Strong may be their 2023 first round quarterback. Like there, that's another idea here is that b- without the medicals and the mobility questions, if you look at the arm talent and, and throwing the football and that kind of stuff, he's a first round player. You know, the mobility stuff, if they believe that, you know, taking a year off, you know, obviously going through a training camp, things like that. But once the season starts, like you're on pop, you're on IR for the year, that's going to get him to a point where he's got more mobility. He can fully heal or come close to hundred percent with that knee, which, you know, is somewhat of a degenerative condition from my understanding of it. Maybe that's their sort of thinking here. Now also remember that Strawn told us at the combine that his doctors and his dad, one of the more powerful things I've heard a prospect say, not just his doctors, but his dad told him to take last year off because that's what he really needed to get that knee back to where it needs to be. He okay. didn't. He wanted to play. So maybe he takes this year off as that sort of medical redshirt year. Mobility, a little bit mobility comes back. He still has the same arm talent. And now maybe, because we all thought, right, they were going to give up. And, you know, they did get that sort of future pick. Yeah. Maybe you don't have to use that for a quarterback. If Carson Strong now is in a position where he's a first-round quarterback now because he had that year off. Okay. Just a thought. Just a thought. I'm just throwing it out there. It's a thought, but that's definitely something to think about. And I'm yeah. going to 
remember this, especially throughout the rest of the season. Now, hopefully it doesn't come to that because hopefully, you know, this time next year, we're talking about the Super Bowl champion in Philadelphia oh, Eagles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and their Super Bowl MVP quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. You know, now getting him some more weapons or maybe add a little bit more to the defense, maybe drafting two corners because, you know, they need to do that. But hopefully that's where we're at. But if not, you know, this could this could be their one of their first bites at the 2023 quarterback apple. On the side. Okay. You know about Bryce Young and CJ Stroud for the next 10 months. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> again. Oh my goodness. But I mean, this is one of our longer episodes, and so we hope that you lovely listeners enjoyed this. We're gonna be back next week, you know, to continue talking about Carson Strong and what else we saw. Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have Matt Walden on. Yes, yes. About Carson Strong. And he also wants to talk about some of the other guys that they signed. I think they signed a running back that he's really excited about. So we'll talk about that too. Yeah, so we we love our special guests, and so we'll be back next week with our special guests. And so that's going to be all for this episode of the QB Factory Reboot. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rachel Monique. Follow Mark at Mark Schofield on Instagram, on Twitter. No, Twitter, Instagram. What's your handle on Instagram? I think M-A-S-C-H-O-0309, something like that. It's, it's Masco, a bunch of numbers. Yeah, so, you know, check us both out. Tune into all of the content that we've put in. We are loaded right now on the feed. There was so much content we put out this past weekend. So if you got to catch up, catch up. We'll still be putting up, out stuff this week. And the content doesn't stop. So thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Any last words, Mark? As always, go Rockville Raiders White. Seven on seven youth team, baby. Big win Woo! Sunday. Oh, woohoo!